Warning. Explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Scott David Chase. This is my truth. Tell me yours. On this episode, I talked to Jesse Dold. Um, Jesse is one half of the duo Earth Kit with Sean Daniels. Um, Jesse and Sean are both members of The Reconstructed, which is a band fronted by Marty England. And, um, you know, Jesse also um, is an engineer slash producer. And we talk about, we, we're kind of all over the map musically, but uh, uh, he's someone that I've known for a while, but sort of tangentially and mostly through uh, social media. And we kind of talk about that at the beginning, but yeah, it was a really cool conversation. I really enjoyed talking with Jesse and he's someone I've wanted to get on here for several years now. So it was, it was cool to finally talk to him and, uh, I'm pretty psyched on the new music that he's made with Sean. And, uh, yeah, I hope you enjoy this, this chat with Jesse Dold. These, uh, I don't know if you listened to the one of these that I did with Sean a while ago. He just told me. He just told me to that. I, I did not. I haven't. It was. It I was. Guess a, I haven't been privy to this. Uh, you know, I, I don't even really know what to expect. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny. I it was a couple of years ago, and we did it at his office downtown, which I don't even know. I because I think that building's under ma- major reconstruction, so I don't even know if he's still there or not. But uh, no. I um. I tend to not do a whole lot of questions beforehand. It's more just like a natural conversation. So, you know, it it tends to be more enjoyable for me, at least, and and less stale that way. So, you know. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you you were someone that – it's funny. So I made a list when I started doing this about five years ago. I made a list of about – I was like, ah, there's probably maybe 50 people that I would love to talk to, you know, off the bat. So I just decided to make a physical list and I just kept writing names down of people that I was like, Oh, I want to talk to this person. And at around 250, I was like, all right, that's a good list. But you were definitely one of the people that was on, on the list. Uh, was I right? Was I right next to Dave Grohl? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't, well, I don't think Dave Grohl wasn't, was even on it. Um, it was, it was one of those things that it was like, all right, who can I talk to who I probably have a good opportunity to talk to as well? Do you know what I mean? Right. Um, I mean, cause I, I tend to know a wide swath of, of people and um, it's just one of those things that I've always enjoyed talking to creative people. And it's kind of like gut, like recharged my batteries, my creative batteries. And like, even if it's someone in a different discipline, actually, Usually, if it's someone of a different different artistic discipline than me, um, it tends to give me ideas better than if I'm just talking to like another visual artist or or whatnot. Because, uh, you know, every artistic person kind of has their own process, their own their own way of doing things, and they're you know, I'm basically just stealing ideas. That was the, that was the. That's all we're doing. That's all we're all doing, man. Yeah. You know what's interesting about this sort of thing is, you know. I guess one of the pluses of social media, when we know there are so many negatives, right. it's like you, it's like I could do without it. But then again, I probably wouldn't quote unquote know you, right? Because I mean, how many times have you and I really hung out or know each other face right. to face? It's just like it's been in passing. But then, then you know, because of say Facebook, it's like oh, this guy, I know this guy. It's it's, it's interesting. So when you when you say if, if if it weren't for the social media and you would come to me, I'd be like, I don't know this guy. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I know Scott. Yeah. He's okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. You know, I was walking with a friend this past week and we were talking about, you know, interactions on Facebook and she's like, well, and we all know that Facebook's not real life. But, and, and she was speaking about interacting with someone that she knew in real life. And I was like, you know, people have said that for a long time, but the way we all interact, particularly in this past year, has changed so much that right. the way you behave online really, like, it really is real life, at least an aspect of it, um, you know. Cause, I agree. And so I, I also feel it's kind of, and, and this is not a slam against my friend, because I know plenty of people who 
say that same thing. It's, but it's, I feel it's kind of lazy to say, oh, well, that's, it's not real life. And I'm like, more and more, it is part of how we stay connected, how we learn about each other and how we interact. So I feel like, I'm like, don't, you shouldn't act any differently. Like, you shouldn't treat someone online the way you wouldn't treat them face to face. You know? I mean, that's a great simple rule for everybody, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, even with the best intentions, sometimes when you don't have the, you, you know, you you don't have the immediate response of seeing someone's body language, see how they're responding to you. You also don't get inflection and tone through typing stuff out. So it's something that I have to remind myself because I'm like I'm I'm a pretty sarcastic guy most of the time. So I'm like, well, oh, maybe this isn't coming off the right way or also maybe it's coming off mean spirited where I really don't mean it to be. So your sarcasm is welcome with me. <laughs> Excellent. Take it all. Here's what's unfair about this sort of thing is I'm very reserved. Like I, I, I do not share much. It's like, Oh, check out another song, band, 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 sure. oh, another song, you know, I'm like everybody is in another band, right? you know, and you, I can kind of like creep more on you because you share a little more personal stuff. I'm so not a personal share, but you share some things. So I feel like, Oh, I, you know, I kind of know you. Yeah. But I forget, it's not both ways. I don't share, maybe you do, you creeped enough maybe on my stuff to see what I'm up to, but I really am quite, I just, I'm not, I'm not on purpose, I'm just really reserved. It's sure. really strange. So, sure. so it's funny, coming to this, I'm like, I know you, <laughs> kind of. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm thinking, what has, what have I shared that sure. Scott knows about me? Not really much. <laughs> Probably not that much, which is, which is one of the things that like, I'll keep it that way. And it's funny because in a similar way, like, um, you know, when I sat down with Sean, I've known Sean for quite some time, you know, way back uh, to the thanks to gravity days. But, um, you know, because I was I was making I was playing music locally at the same time. We were about my band at the time was maybe five years behind gravity they had been doing stuff for a while so you know i kind of knew him but definitely looked up to him sort of as like an elder yeah. statesman at the time but what band was that was that by the way your band uh so oh. we had three different names uh we started out as sam i am and then found out that there was another band called that and so we became hank for a while and then yes. uh, a band that we had played with ended up changing their name to hank and I was like, huh, where'd you get that idea? But, and then, so finally we were, um, uh, we were called Watership Down for the last probably two years of that. Um, probably most of note, uh, Cam Gunn played bass in that for a while too. I'm sure you know Cam, right? Yes, right, right. Very loosely. Like, this is people, I should know more people. Yeah, you know, like, again, I'm a strange, odd hermit, even though I'm always out playing. <laughs> but yeah, I know of, I know him, um. Watership Down, great. Now, what year was this? Because, you know, I'm just wondering if we crossed paths back then, too. Is this late 90s? This was, um, it started, I want to say, in 93, 94-ish. Went till, I think the last time we ever played was probably 98. Um, But at that point, most of the, you know, because... I we were in high school at the time. I was a year oh, yeah. I was a year older than the other three guys. I also went to Exeter, where the other three guys went to Portsmouth. Um, so you know, we played the, we played the Elvis Room probably twenty five thirty times over the course of nice. about four years. Wow. But um, yeah, it was it was you know mid to late nineties. Yeah. yeah. So we didn't, we didn't cross, and I was doing stuff then, but I was in more in this area a little after that. It was funny, in my studio there's a poster that I always saved. My band was Long Day. We were called Long Day for a while. Okay. And it was like Long Day at the Muddy River Smokehouse. Yep. Is that what it was called? I already miss it, you know. So yep. We played there so much. But it's a long day, and it was like, then the next the next Saturday is Pondering Judd. I didn't even know Marty then. And it was just funny when Marty came to the studio to record Don Chorus originally. Right. Because we were like, oh my gosh, what are the odds? We're on the same poster. Yeah. It's really funny. Never really jived until we met at a party but it's funny how that is um i noticed because uh you know i have marty's first i I think it's his first quote-unquote solo record which is raised and reconstructed which you you did vocals on a song there as did your wife um yeah i just barely got to know him and you know it was sort of like just coming to do this yeah 
So at that point, you were not part of the reconstructed. Um, no, there was no reconstructed at that point. It was like a hired, Marty had a hired on a really good band for the studio. Yep. And he didn't have a band per se. So it was a whole new thing for him. Yep. Met him at a party. He really liked my Courtney and I's soft singing voices, you know, and it was like, Magruder's like, absolutely, you guys sing us, you know. Yeah. But just build, the, no, the Marty the reconstructed thing, that's the most organic thing that's ever built that I've ever been part of. It took forever. Yeah. Because we just, we're chill. We're getting older and we're like, that's just be chill about it, but it's the coolest thing. Yeah. Also that I've ever done because of that. And then just from 2009 all the way to 2013, 2014, we're finally like, oh yeah, we're the reconstructed. You know, it's, I wish we had pushed it faster because we're, <laughs> it's a fun band. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it's. I mean, and that's that's really how I uh, first really kind of got to know you musically, at least. Um, and it was yeah, because the the first that raised and reconstructed is just credited to Marty Martin England, and then yeah. Don Chorus is Martin England and the reconstructed, and then. The third one is it the Great North Wind? Is that the name of the third? Yeah, yeah. Great, Nor- Great North Wind. The, yeah, Great North Wind. Whatever. Yeah, and uh, and that's just the reconstructed. So it's like, and it's right. Seeing you guys. The like, next. What's the that? next album? We're kicking Marty out. The next album is going to be not even anymore. You can see the see the you see the progression. Sure. Marty's going. He's Pushing not talented. Further. We don't need him. <laughs> we don't need his songs. Right. <laughs> He's a horrible singer. Just, <laughs> the next one's just going to be. Recon, you know, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Go on. No, no, no. This is, it's 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 a conversation. Of, please interrupt. I'm too sarcastic. You stop me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, oh, and that's that's one of the things that I always wrestle with with this podcast. When I listen back to it, I'm like, God, don't talk so much. Let the other person talk. <laughs> it's it's supposed, great. Supposed to be about them, um, but it isn't. But it isn't. It's about us all. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, it's funny because several, I was all, already aware of you through the reconstructed. And then I don't know how this made its way to me, but I have a dirty daylights. Totally. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> um, what's the, you know, cause there's no, there's no insert with this. It's, you know, it's a, it's a cardboard sleeve. I'm assuming. Uh, I'm assuming that's that's how they were all done. What what's the what's the time frame? Like, wh- when did that happen? Two thousand nine, I guess. Mm-hmm. I made that disc because I was going to LA to go to a songwriting conference to really network and connect. Because I was really getting into publishing and behind the scenes. Yeah, and um, trying to get music on TV, uh, TV shows, really, because, I mean, uh, performing is great, and I love that, but the real money, not that it's all about money, but the real money is, like, behind the scenes of entertainment. Sure. You know, it's, uh, so I'm like, well, it'd just be fun to dabble in that, because I'm, I'm a nerd songwriter, I like to, you know, I have all these country projects, I have these dance pop projects, I have some people sing, you know, I'm always pitching and trying to get them in things and it's some bit successful but that was around the time where I'm like I was like okay I also want to be a songwriter again because I toured forever with this rock band you know we did the US and Canada and Australia when I was in my 20s we did all this cool stuff and we were signed and then kind of a little depressing thing after that and it all mm-hmm. breaks apart classic you know yep. and then I'm like let's be a singer songwriter again and so I'm like we're going to LA and I'm bringing these really sad songs with me and they're gonna certainly they're gonna love me I mean Nobody really cares, but <laughs> I brought like that. That album is like that little e demo is like the saddest tunes ever. But I liked it. It's a great record. It's a great record. <laughs> I, um, everything's so different now. That was me kind of refining myself. So it doesn't really make sense so much to me right now. But it, it was that's why it's just yeah. I was relearning, kind of actually. Sure. With those few songs, and I, I would imagine it's probably like a snapshot of a time and place where you were at the time. Yes. Yep. Yep. Soft, sad, lonely stuff. <laughs> so, what's the um, you you and your wife uh, Courtney have like you know obviously a musical chemistry, but you, your you know musical collaboration pre- predates the reconstructed. How did how did that come about? How did you guys meet? Right, we met at Joe Symes Oak Club in Rollinsford. All right. Elysium 
arts. And it was because, so I was kind of in a down, little, just like, uh, I'm depressed a little bit back in 08, 09, just like, uh, that, that other rock band had broken up. So I was backing up Cole Go. He was doing the makeout scene, and I was just kind of like, I'll just back you up. You yeah. know, I want to just be a side guy for a while because I was a lead singer my whole life, and I'm thinking, I just want to be the side guy to be great, just to chill. And so we got a gig at Joe's opening up for the Courtney Brocks, and she was there in a sling because she had just broken her arm, and Jeff Hawkinson was playing her guitar parts for her, and she sang. And we thought, she, you know, we thought she was lovely and awesome whatever you know coincidentally ironically whatever she just broke her wrist again falling on ice you know 10 years later so oh, damn it's a total bummer yeah. it's like remember Corey, remember when i met you you were in a sling be careful on the ice <laughs> anyway um yeah that's how we met uh, the, on stage we probably shook hands the other first time just on his little stage yeah thank you joke signs <laughs> and uh, but no no love interest no crushes just we were like wow we oh we were making I was producing Cole's album and I'm like we need a we have to get a female singer on some of these things yeah and that's what we were just like stars in our eyes for like her voice yeah like oh my gosh so really it was just a real musical love for each other it really was no crushy crushy it was like like nothing it was like just let's sing let's sing let's sing let's play let's hang out all night and the three of us would just sing and yeah jam. And it's funny how our relationship just, whoa, oh yeah, oops, oh yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that happened. But That's yeah, cool. so it was just that, it was neat. It was fun, really fun. So we already had this like super musical appreciation for each other. That's awesome. Like to build from there. And then it was like, the first kiss was pretty easy then. She got the music. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> now, other than... Uh... Other than playing with uh, Cole, uh, which I have that makeout scene CD, I was looking for that furiously today, uh, trying to find that as well, and I could, could not find it. The makeout scene, odd, like eclectic, odd, just a thing. It's like this work of art. It's like so, it's just interesting. I love that. Well, it's funny about that because I had, I, and I don't know where I got that CD either, but I'm sure it was probably in the same batch of cds that i got the that dirty daylight cd and so i knew like like i had the cd and i knew who you and courtney were but i didn't know who this cole guy was and this is when i had uh i was sharing studio space uh with uh wrong brain uh in you know in the mill buildings in dover and um, right. all of a sudden you know like after being there a couple months this guy who does screen printing in there would come into the wrong brain uh, area and like we would chat a little bit, but I didn't really know him. I just knew him because he knew other wrong brain people, and we started talking. And then, and um, and we had both uh, been involved with a girl around the same time. Um, but this and this was a couple years before this, and I knew that you know there was there was this Cole guy, and but never made the connection. And it's not that common a name either, but. You know, and Seacoast, New England is so small anyway. So I got to know him from Wrong Brain. We're, we're, you know, talking. And then, like, one day the girl comes by to visit, uh, says, hey, and he's there. And she's like, hey. And then I was like, oh, okay. But at that point, I've known Cole for, you know, six, nine months, whatever. And I'm just like, and it was all in the past anyways. And then, like, two days later, I was like, oh, wait, this is the same Cole who's on that CD as well. So it was just such, I was like, okay, this it's all makes sense now. Oh, uh, yes. The world is too small sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. So other than... He, yeah. Other than... He's my best buddy from since we were kids. Absolutely. Yeah, I met a, him. He's a great guy. Yeah, I met him. I walked by a room, a classroom, when we were 13, 14. I heard somebody playing light, lives, lightning crashes on an acoustic guitar in the back of this classroom. And I was like, you are my new best friend. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, that's, that's funny you should mention lightning crashes because, um, you know, maybe it was like two weeks ago, a uh, week and a half ago, whatever it was. I had not, I don't know how I missed it. But I had no idea about Earth Kit, um, which is your, you know, your project with Sean Daniels. Yeah. And yep. it popped up, you know, because uh, you guys just played, uh, was it a Winter Warmer? Is that what the series Winter is Winter Warmer. Yeah. Yep, yep, right. And so I messaged Sean and I was like, how am I just hearing about this now? And he's like, 
I don't know. We're terrible at self-promotion. We're terrible. Yeah. It's the thing. We don't share anything. I don't share. Uh, yeah, I have to be better at that. Yeah, but he's yeah. like, yeah. he's like, it's definitely different from the reconstructed. It's a very like '90s. You can see, um, you can see Jesse's '90s influences very much, which I, I wouldn't necessarily see that, but it is. You know, it's certainly different than. Um, it's certainly different from the reconstructed. Uh, it's certainly different from the dirty daylights thing, but how did that, how did that whole project with you and Sean come about? Were you just decided to work on a record or, um, how to come about? Yeah, I guess, I mean, obviously we respect each other so much musically. I mean, he comes from all, you know, this local royalty and drumming and I'm lucky enough to play in this band with them. But then he, over the years really, liked my sensibilities too and he was always like whatever you do i want to play you know i'm like i'm doing something so it was always talk 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 but i'm always writing like i said i'm obsessed with writing melody yeah. and writing you know whatever you want to compare to alt rock 90s ref whatever anything oddly modern weird i don't know i don't know but um i was really finally but i didn't think i was really ready i was writing all this stuff but then suddenly i just something that's why i call the album evolution like i kind of evolved on my own volition i just was like bam i'm i'm gotta get my album out of this funk and i'm you know i'm just gonna write really off the cuff yeah just not worrying about how i'm writing and how whatever and it just so suddenly these songs i'm like oh these are weird and cool and that's chris his lap it's like almost like all to grunge touch with some psychedelic and some really soft buckley singer so you know i don't even know what it is yeah and then sean was like i'm like i think this is the thing i'm writing it and i'm doing bass and synth with my feet and sean's like oh is this easy he's like i'm in done yeah. he's a he's a band junkie he'll do he just wants to do anything sure so it was really that i just wrote everything and, and i taught myself over a whole year 2019 it took me a whole year to learn how to play. I'm looking at my guitar stuff. Okay. How to rebuild my pedal board to be all MIDI controlled, all electronic controlled, so I can trigger all my pedals and all the effects on one push here and there and program it all in because I my other feet are running the synth and the bass. And then how to learn to do that and then go stereo with amps. I tried to, it took me a long time. Yeah. And then Sean, so I figured that all out and gave Sean these demos. And then it was. It was like he read my mind. That was very. That part was just easy. Yeah. Sean was like just in because he's a super bold, big drummer. Yep. And I'm like, I want it to be like a duo for real. I don't want it to be like Jesse with a drummer. I'm like, I want you to show off, do stuff. Like so, it's literally like two guys really going at it, you know, on the on the stage, as opposed to cool songs. A drummer's helping out. Right. So I think he really he really got it. It was very cool. Now we're, we're developing it more, and we're we're just finishing up our next one right now. And it's making more sense. Right on. I even answered your question. If I just trailed. No, no, but no. It happened. <laughs> it happened because we know each other, and we're in the same band, so that was easy. Right. Right. <laughs> and I did check with Marty and Andrew, and you know, all all those guys been like, I'm not stealing. I'm not. You know, this is just, you yeah. know, musical orgy. No, no offense, and everyone's like, do it, do it. You guys go and do it. So yeah. Right on. So everyone bought into it. Yeah, it's and Andrew, Andrew's now like, don't you guys see the bass player? <laughs> like, no, that's the point. <laughs> so when you played live, you're still you're doing it all through MIDI controls. Yeah, the bass, the floor organ is MIDI, and I was inspired. I wanted to do this for many years, but I was inspired when I saw Chris Hislop turn me on to Illiterate Light. Yeah. They were starting to just come out of nowhere, and they had like five views on just a couple of years ago, like five views on their videos on YouTube. And I'm like, like I've always wanted to do it, and I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing it. So that just made the inspiration happen. Yeah, like made me motivate. And I was like, oh yeah, I've always wanted to do not the Jack White thing, or the White Stripes, or the Black Keys. I'm like, I wanted something with bass. Right. I just never really did it until I saw Literate Light. I, I, I just was like, yeah. That's, he can do it. Yeah, I had all this gear tagged on Reverb.com and eBay stuff. All this gear tagged I'd look, over the years looking at, and I took a screenshot of them live. I was like, that's the gear I was looking at, so I just bought it all. Nice, nice. Taught myself. <laughs> and then when I read their bio, when I read Illiterate Light's bio, it's funny, he says, it took me a year to learn all this gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, it took me a year too. It was hard. <laughs> I, I, I believe it. Yeah. Cause there's, you know, it's, it's funny that you mentioned, um, 
the white stripes and the black keys because there's you know it's a you know guitar guitar vocalist and drummer duo bands but there's something specifically about their aesthetic where and i don't mean this in a negative way but there's something missing that's actually part of the sound is it's a very sparse kind of like yeah almost sparse right yeah and it's almost got kind of like a like a like a pawn shop kind of quality to it it's like hey we're just hanging on by the skin of our teeth making a making music where um you know the earth kit record uh uh has a very full sound to it um yeah 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 right good point that was my kind of my goal i was like how can we make all the noise sean i'm like let's figure out how to do like just i don't know yeah Turn, be neat. If I walked into a room and I saw two guys and there was all the sound, that would kind of make me stop. And I'm thinking, how do we do that? So we just slowly picked away at it. Sure. I guess. Yeah. When you made the record, yeah. was it was it? Were you playing everything live, or did you play more traditional instruments when you recorded, and then had to figure out how to how to reproduce it live? No, it's all that record is all really a, like a you know. A, it's not the word's not brag, but it's more like Sean and I are like we gotta like let people know that we really did this mostly on the spot. Sure. You know, so it is all the stuff. It's all my stuff, my changes, but you know, some tones are different, so I would do a different track. You know, I don't need to play it all at the same time. I was like, Well, when I switch this guitar effect live it's fine, but that's a little crunchy, so I'll just put it on its own track, overdub it so I can EQ it. But it's all it's all the stuff built in, it's all kind of simultaneously played. And it was for the most part, just a couple of overdubs. Yeah. On that record. And the bass and I have the bass and the synth triggered and I have another MIDI board that I can then turn the synth on and off. It's very confusing and challenging. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, I wanted it to be so I could say Whatever. Yeah. When you see us live, it's pretty much exactly how you sing it here and for the most part. You know, some couple of cheats on some harmonies, but whatever. I mean, that's, what the, that's yeah. what the studio's for. I mean, you know. Yeah, there's a fine line of fine where, like, you can gloss it up so that when you play it live, no one really notices that a couple of things are missing. There's, like, there's that sure. uncanny valley you can almost attribute to music. and <laughs> Right. Well, that was always... That's always a thing for me, uh, particularly, you know, being being a uh, growing up like my musical education really was, you know, at its peak in the 90s was a lot of bands, particularly with like slower songs. A lot of times they would add strings, so on and so forth for singles. And then, you know, that would be the big hit single for the band. And then you'd see them live and it doesn't have any of that because they don't have a string section in the band. And I've always had this weird, uh, I'm trying to get over it too, but I've had this weird sort of prejudice against bands who have a lot of instrumentation that they just don't pull off live. I'm like, if you, if you can't, if you can't cut it live with it, you know, maybe it shouldn't be in the song to begin with. Yes, it's very interesting. I used to, I had a love, a love hate thing with that too. Like for example, you could take so many, like say Fuel, Fuel's Hemorrhage song. It was just a sweeping, right? Symphony in my hands, in my hands. Yeah. But then I saw that live, and I was like, "But I didn't miss it." You know. And then you have Dishwalla. Yeah. And they actually recorded with the key. I think the keyboardists did the fake stuff. So when they played live, it was identical. And I, and I actually kind of appreciated that. I, I didn't, it didn't seem cheesy on the record. You knew it was definitely affected keys. Yeah. And then so it can be live and it's definitely a synthy thing. And you're like, oh, that's what I'm doing here. I found this, this German synth that's saying, um, it's called the strike fit. <laughs> but it emulates the sounds. It emulates the synth sounds of old sci-fi movies like Star Wars and Blade Runner, mostly Blade Runner. It has all these sounds. Yeah. And it's like purposely different, odd. It's not real, so I don't have to have it be real live. And yeah. it sounds so thick and you heard it on the first record. It's just, it's really moody. Yeah. And that is neat to purposely go synth fake. Yeah. And it sounds lush. And I mean, we're in the day and age too, where it's not cheesy right now. We're in this like great, all, all there are no rules synth and this kind of synth and that synth. We're back into synth for so many bands. It's just cool. It's yeah. a good time to try it. Yeah, it was kind of particularly like late 80s early 90s like synthesizer was you know sort of like a the dirty secret but i also think like it was trying to emulate you know a, a real instrument whereas now so much uh synth can can just sound like a synthesizer and we just embrace it 
Yes, yeah. that's what's fun about it. Yeah. So now it's really neat to find weird sounds and just go 10 years, only 10, less than 10, five years ago, I would have been like, ooh, it's cheesy, it's going to sound dated, you know, the producer in me, uh, always producing, oh, dated. Right. Screw it. What is dated? What right. is that? Who cares? Well, that's it's the... Kind of fun. It's it's funny, um, you know, you just mentioned Blade Runner, but, you know, because that's one of my, like, top five favorite films of all time. Um, certainly my number one favorite film score of all time. Uh, but, um, you know, that movie's, uh, it's, you know, next year it'll be 40 years old. And I watch wow. it at least once a year and it doesn't, I'm not like, oh, this movie's so old. Like, it's it's crisp, it's timeless, even though you can tell by certain things it was made in the 80s. And I was like, is this because I've loved it for so long? But then I've gone back and watched other films from the era, and I'm like, oh, this definitely feels dated. So it's, I think it's, you know, when you make a great piece of art that connects with people, it, it doesn't yeah. matter, it becomes timeless. That's, that is, well, that's a hard thing to find. Man, Ridley Scott, what a... It's like, did he know he was doing Timeless? Maybe, you know, there are vision, these visioneers, maybe they just know it. But yeah, that is one you watch, and it is like the movie is, is and the soundtrack are as arresting as it ever was. Yeah. How lucky or just talented to, 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 do, to do a Timeless thing. I mean, if U2's Joshua Tree came out right now, we'd all be like, this is a modern sound, this is a modern band, you know, yeah. Daniel Lanois, is it, it's... But that's what a cool thing to strive for. Yeah. But maybe they're not even striving for it when they're doing it. That's the, oh, it's so deep, man. My <laughs> brain is exploding. <laughs> well, that's because they're not necessarily be like, this is going to be time. They're just doing what they love at the moment, sure. which means they're all kind of geniuses at the moment. Oh, I, um, I digress. I listened to um, Daniel Lanois was on Mark Maron's WTF podcast maybe a month ago. And it's like, it was so eye-opening to hear like his approach to recording and just kind of how he got to start. Cause he's got, I mean, the records that he works on have such a specific uh, sound, like what he draws out of people. And he's such an amazing guitar player too. Just, I think he's one of the most yeah. underrated guitar players. Like for someone who has worked on so much known stuff, he's such an unknown entity in and of himself. Yeah, right. You don't even know. I mean, it's no surprise my favorite Emmy Lou Harris record is Red Dirt Girl because Lanois did it, and I didn't even know he did it at first. I yeah. was like, this is the record pleases me. I'm getting goosebumps. I'm tearing up. <laughs> oh, Daniel Lanois. You yeah. know, it's like, ah. Uh, and I just saw his uh, a Tiny Desk concert, NPR. And oh, I got to check that out. He just does synthesizers. His whole touring act right now is just like a bank of synthesizers and just does buttons and beats and whatever. And, um, Oh gosh, I can't believe I forgot the drummer's name, and he has a super, super famous, famous high end drummer just doing sick beats while he's going yeah. for hours on end. I'm thinking, Daniel Lanois is pretty cool. Yeah, for I sure. I definitely aspire to be. I aspire to be. He's one of my influences, certainly. That's a, that's a, I mean, that's a great aspiration to have. Um, You've, I, I'm assuming you've heard Teatro, the Willie Nelson record that Emmy Lou Harris sang on that he produced. Right. Yes. What year? What year is that? That I want to say that's like ninety-seven, ninety-eight. That's been so long since I heard that. Wow. I, I need to revisit that. I um I re <clears throat> Spirits, my favorite Willie Nelson record, which is a very sparse, uh, mostly acoustic record, and that was right. Teatro was the one right after it. But I mean. You know, Willie Nelson's so prolific, it was probably less than a year afterwards because he, he he puts out an album like every nine months. It's nuts. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. And it's, it's too and, much. you know, the and the guy's like you know, the guy's coming up on ninety at this point, you know. He's in his he's in his late eighties. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that was the only Lanois record that uh uh, he had, I think that's the only one that Willie Nelson record that Daniel Lanois worked on, but he, you know, he worked on a lot right. of Peter Gabriel's stuff and, you know, yes, right, of course. Yep. Come on. Oh. Yeah. It's really, yeah, definitely one of those. Yeah. He's done so much right for so long. I expect him to, you know, age, I, I talk about age, but I expect him to look older, I guess. than he is, but I see him play, you know, just on this, yeah. Tiny desk thing, and it's like oh, he looks just like a regular hip middle-aged guy. Doesn't even. I'm like, how is he? Maybe he's timeless. Maybe 
doesn't even age. I can't, I can't <laughs> figure it out because you go back to him working with Dylan and stuff, and it's just so long ago. Yeah. Just, I don't know how he, but he was a kid too. I guess he was really young. Yeah. Well, he started doing this stuff. I, my first, my first exposure to him was the Joshua Tree. Um, you know, that was an album that played in my house when I was a kid. Um, you know, that came out in '87. And but it was also you know it was him and Brian Eno, which totally yes. like come from such a weird like some might say disparate places. But uh, Brian Eno was actually the one who brought Lanois on board, and uh, I had no idea that Brian Eno was a musician when I first heard you know like had a career of his own before that you know Roxy Music and solo. Yes, but, exactly um, right. So it was weird for the longest time. I had the two of them uh, kind of. I I just thought they were a production duo that always worked together, and it wasn't until much later that I found out that you know you two and like one other project was pretty much the only thing they've ever done together, and they've 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 worked on several U two records, but uh, yeah, it's such a such an interesting thing uh, hearing how much having another creative mind, creative perspective who's not in the band can can bring something out of out of the song. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 But just, it's interesting. Sometimes I wonder if I, I'm like, should I not produce the reconstructed because I'm in it, you know? But it's just one of those exceptions for the case, I guess, so far, because it just seems to work. I almost feel like I'm producing Marty. I, actually, I kind of, in a weird way, I step out. I don't actually consider myself in the band when I'm doing the albums. It's, I'm this little gloss on the top, cool guitar stuff and stuff like that, but I, I always feel like, okay, you guys, let's just try hard, you know, do it again, sing better, do the, you know what I mean? Like, just right. get, get more takes, and I, I actually feel, but, because you are right, sometimes it's good to get that, and I think it would be neat someday if we, you know, just tried something else out but this shoe fits so well it works for us sure. and, uh, and, you know, it's like it's like so neat but can you imagine having access to like it's like Brian Eno and you know I mean like, get them to produce the reconstruct it just like you know get the that'd be insanity putting that out there uh, Daniel Lenoir and or Brian Eno if uh, if you hear this uh, no, let's, let's do it let's get the duo together yeah let's let, let's get in touch and uh, let's let's, let's make happen? some magic happen what <laughs> would happen that'd be really interesting <laughs> I think that would be a great record I'd hate it or we'd love it but it also sounds yeah. like you know from what you were saying that your kind of your entry into working with Marty was first as a producer. So I guess it makes sense that that is, you know, that continues to be your role when making the records, you know, true. Yeah, true. And also it's, it seems like such a natural, like, like your, your part in the band has become such a natural thing that like, yeah, it doesn't seem really forced at all. And we don't have to pay for these records, you know, right. These records. (laughs) I'm keeping a log. I'm tracking every hour. Send the invoice in someday. Right. Are the so so the last two reconstructed records were they just done primarily at your at your space? Yeah. Yeah. In the mill building in Do- Dover Mill building. Yeah. For the basic. For the, yeah. Yeah. Actually, because yeah, the studio used to be there by Cole's old screen printing spot. Right. We had a little nook around the corner. Did you ever? Did you ever go in that tiny little studio? Did you ever walk in there? I never did. I I would see him. Uh, I would see him going in there sometimes. And I think the first time, I think the first time you and I ever met uh, in person was you were coming out of there, and I was like hanging out in the hallway or something. Right. Yeah. 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 But no, I never went in. That's just a tiny little space. I mean, it's like everything on the cheapest cheapest preamps and cobble together cables we had like one two hundred dollar microphone for don chorus we just just made it kind of kind of made it work and set the band up out in the big room on a sunday and trying to piss off too many people and and that's yeah that's, and then then north northwind was basically tracks in marty's barn yeah shot and cobbled together some gear a little bit better gear this time not much, still just using some Behringer preamps, you know, it's like, people always like, dude, man, what's your outboard, what are the gear, and right. I'm, I'm like, oh man, you know, I really should get Chris Chase on board, right. and your brother on board, and then me just produce the side, because you know, uses gear, but it's worked, you know, I can kind of like manipulate this cheaper gear, and yeah, 
Have you been in his studio at all? I haven't. I'd love to. Yeah, I have he, not. I see photos and it looks majestic. Yeah, and it's, I mean, and, and, and the, he'll hate that I'm saying this, but like the amount of work that he put into actually creating that space because it was just like a, a shell of a building and it's this it's this beautiful recording studio um it's his second one because he used to be in uh the rollinsford mills and oh, yeah yeah he did pretty much all the um all the carpentry there himself for the first one and this one he, he this one he had a lot more help because not only that being his full-time job, he's also a, um, uh, you know, a, a single dad. So trying to juggle it all, but, uh, yeah, it's a, it's Amazing. a beautiful space. His, his studio. Yeah. We text, we, uh, we message every now and then. And that's another person I don't really know much face to face, right? but it's, you know, you can almost feel like you know them. Yeah. So that's not, yeah, the, this is modern the social thing. Is so it's so interesting. I don't, I don't dislike it. It's really cool. So we can message me out of the blue. Oh, I just remastered your winter warmer earth kit. He's like, this is really neat. It's huh. just you and Sean, you know, and it's like, if he wins, you know, a spotlight award, I might message him. Great. Awesome album. Great right. job recording McCormick's, you know, rock opera. And yes. It's, it's cool. But yeah, I like his work and I want to go there. And I, I messaged him. I said, I would like to, cause it's a beautiful space he has there. Yeah. I don't have beautiful spaces, but I would like to do what well, reconstructed, of course, aside, but just earth kick is a simple and it's just Sean and I, I want to do a live recording there. Yeah. You know, I'm like, gotta get Sean and I in there. And, and especially during, and we can even do it pandemic during this because it's just the two of us so it's easy to just split two guys up sure and do a cool little video but i should bug him i should bug your brother again for that you definitely should it's a beautiful space and it would be cool and yeah. we don't we're not good at promoting ourselves so let's partner with chris and yeah because he's do done some stuff uh he's done some stuff from that studio as well as far as far as performances i think rick rude just did something there a couple weeks ago oh no way oh cool cool and some it's another band that Anyway, I always I'll see a video here and there. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. He's funny because he's uh, he, his natural inclination is not towards self promotion either. It's really when it's in service of someone else's project that he kind of like begrudgingly does it. But yeah, he's one of those guys that uh, um, shares very little on social media as opposed to me who tends to overshare, but, uh, you know, right. Oh yeah. That's so true. Cause he's always record. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. But he does a lot. He's his full-time job. He's prolific with the engineering for sure. So then you all, his, his name is always out because the band's like, thanks Chris Chase. Thanks Chris. You know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So I do feel again, it's one of those cases where I probably know him more than he knows me. Sure. He gets blurbed out there, which is good. It was funny because, um, so he went to school for sound engineering in Arizona, and then he moved back here because um, uh, his son's mother's family is is from New England, and they wanted to come back here. She was, they met on the West Coast, but uh, they moved back here. And maybe six months after he moved back, I moved to Arizona, and uh, which you know, fun fun little footnote. I ended up getting. Uh, Courtney's first CD when I was in Arizona. Uh, and then wow. you know, like, yeah, it was weird. Cause I think I shared that with her a couple years ago. Cause I was like, wait, you're from Arizona. You've spent some time there. And she's like, yeah, I was like, that's so crazy. Cause I got this in Arizona. Uh, she must be so proud that you got that in Arizona, <laughs> but how, where did you get it? Uh, I don't even remember. Um, it, it was, uh, it probably, at a Zia records, which is like, um, Zia is very similar to like, it, it's about right. chain, chain size wise. It's about the size of Newbury comics, but it's set up very much like bull moose. Um, and yeah. there's, they, so you knew Courtney's name, you knew Courtney already. Is that what it was? And you know, nope, it Zia? was, there was a pretty girl on the what? cover. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's amazing. I was just like, this looks wow. like a cool record. Cause I have a, I have a soft spot so cool. for female singer songwriters. Anyways, that's like if you look through my collection, I have you know I've got a ton of Sinead O'Connor, you know Amanda Palmer, all stuff like that. So I was just like, I'm gonna check this out, wow. and yeah, so it was a weird thing, but um, yeah. So that I was, was the one where she's kind of like just elegant holding her guitar on the, on yep. the with the the, um, the um, Michael Chorney produced record. Yeah. 
Yeah. No way. Yeah. Because she did also out there because she likes she loves the Four Corners area. And she's worked there. Yeah. You know, uh, um, the native whatever like, like archaeology, Native American. She's so into that whole yeah. culture. But she made years ago in her early twenties. She made a record with a native guy out there, David Knight Eagle, and um, he asked her to write this album and sing it you know about all these native tribe stories and she did yeah. it and it's, it's i thought maybe you had found that out there no and now i gotta enough. look for that though but um it's really she's really young yeah. and she did she actually wrote and she's she's learned so much about that culture and the people and the archaeology so she's really she wrote this really it's like this master class and you know like these things but uh and that was many years ago right 20 yeah. years ago but it just came a documentary of i, I forget the um what the documentary is about some some tribes out there, you know, some issues they're going through. But these songs, David Knight Eagle just got them onto the uh, onto this documentary. So Courtney just showed me that that last week. There I am, twenty years old or something like that, early twenties. That's awesome. Singing on this documentary. Yeah, that's really Funny cool. That you found her East Coast album out there. Yeah, yeah, it was nuts. Oh, wow. Um, but it was yeah. So. I was in Arizona and while I was there, my brother started, you know, he built his studio, his first one in Rollinsford started working with local bands because he had, he had been in a band before um, with my other younger brother. Uh, they were called uh, out of print, um, but he has not been a performer for at least, you know, 15 years. So his, his kind of, uh, notoriety in in the seacoast music scene was as an engineer and then you know i moved back here uh in 2013 and would run into people out in public like sometimes because even though chris and i live you know 15 minutes away from each other we see each other maybe once a month um because we're both really busy but we would go like a lot of times I would go to a show that he was running live sound for or something like that. And inevitably he'd be talking to someone beforehand, someone that I knew from before I had left to go to Arizona and they'd look and they're like, do you guys know each other? Like, have you guys met? And they're like, wait, Chase, Chase are you guys related? And I'm like, yeah, we're brothers. Like we get that all the time. Um, I used to, you know, I, I would joke with Jonathan Blakesley a lot because, you know, people like, Blakesley, are you are, are you Dan Blakesley's brother? And he'd be like, No, Dan Blakesley's my brother. I'm older, you know. So I've I've definitely used that yeah. a few times with Chris. Of all the Blakesleys around here, no, just another Blakesley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know any other Blake. Do you know any other Blakesleys? I I, Different family? I, had, I had never heard that name before. Yeah. No, yeah. neither had I. Yeah. I, I gosh, I met Dan in the mid '90s. He opened up for an old band of mine in the mob at UNH on one of those side rooms in the new mob just for some weird little show in that so yeah just one of those conference rooms and he looked like Elvis back yep. then I, 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 he came in alone yeah. bowling shoes slicked back hair and he just looked yeah like yeah like Elvis you know <laughs> yeah. G-Love he kind of looked like G-Love special sauce this is like this cool thing Ever since then, just known him. It just keeps slowly building. Wow, that's a long time ago. Yeah, it's. I think that was my first uh, knowledge of him. It's funny. I actually, uh, I met uh, Christopher Blakesley before I met Dan. Which you know, uh, rest in peace. Christopher just passed, but um, I met him in Market Square, and maybe a week later, I saw Dan playing, and then someone's like, "Oh, that's that dude's brother," and I was like what that's crazy and then you know met jonathan years later um right right yeah, yeah. very very talented family uh, yeah no kidding right yeah it's funny and then you know dan dan's like famous in my book but you know like the, like whatever last month i'm showing up on my doorstep with his print it just yeah continually blows my mind yeah it's funny um a couple couple people i work with um joke about the fact that I know, you know, that I know the entire Seacoast because, you know, because um, I work at a grocery store, um, the little little niche grocery store that's that's not Whole Foods. Um, I just have to say that because I'm technically not allowed to say where I work uh, in a public uh, oh, forum. But anyone who lives on the Seacoast knows who I work for. And, you know, 
I can count on one hand how many times in two and a half years that there's been a day where I haven't run into someone I know while they're shopping. So some of my coworkers, some of the managers joke about, um, they're like, man, you know everyone. But then a couple months ago, Dan Blakesley came through just to say hi to me. And he was, you know, typical Dan Blakesley, very animated, very excited. And they're like, man, you do know everyone. I'm like, no, 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 no. You have no idea. That dude knows everyone. Like, doesn't matter what state, I'm sure what country, like, Dan's going to know somebody. Oh, yeah. yeah. I made a joke to Sean. I was like, you know, if you want likes on Instagram or Facebook, I'm like, you know, I, I post Dan Blakesley stop by my house. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, the, there's the hundreds of likes. Yeah. And I said, Sean, the next Earth Kit album we release, I'm going to be like, here's the new Earth Kit. Hi, Dan Blakesley. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you just gotta, you just gotta get just, Dan to come play tambourine on one song. That's it. That's it. You're yep. right. Oh my gosh. Backup vocals. Get his nice crooning voice in there. Oh boy, that you know. Great idea. Well, it was, um, idea, I, I always love when huge artists do like weird, weird cameos that you wouldn't expect. Like, uh, the last Foo Fighters record, Paul McCartney played drums on one song. Oh, really? Not the most recent, but the last. Right. The, uh, concrete, concrete and gold, I think it's called. Um, which it's That's pretty cool. It's funny because I'm like, okay, it's the band that is fronted by arguably, the most well-known living drummer in the world and True. you know probably the most well-known living rock musician ends up playing drums on that song you know and i mean mccartney's a a, a pretty solid drummer himself you know whenever yeah, didn't he do some of the drum tracks that we thought were Ringo he did a lot of them yeah oh boy <laughs> i mean i have a you know, it, I'm a George Harrison guy myself, but whenever someone's like, oh, Ringo's my favorite, I'm like, Ringo wasn't even the best drummer in the Beatles. <laughs> Which leaves you to think, what was he? <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I mean, and I know people love Ringo, but and I don't mean to pick on him, but, you know, whatever. Uh, oh, whatever. I think it's, it's very funny that McCartney played. Huh, did not know that. And, uh. Do you know the? Are you familiar with the rap group Atmosphere from Minneapolis? Yes, they're uh, they, you know they're definitely like an indie group, but uh, they had a record that came out about probably ten or eleven years ago. And Tom Waits is on a song, but he's just beat, oh, nice. he's just beatboxing. Like if you didn't, that is so it, cool! It's so great! It's so great! And then like he made uh, the the MC slug, he made him return the favor and he played guitar on a Tom Waits on, on a Tom Waits song on like his album two years later. See, that's awesome. Yeah. It'd be great to, you know, I don't mean this in that jealous way, but I always think it'd be so fun to be in that level of fame where you just goof around and, right. you know, and then everyone can secretly talk about, Oh, and he did this, and he did that. And she did this. It's always neat. Like when let's be going back to live, when live came out, even I thought it was like, Oh, this is REM's new album. And yeah. a lot of people thought, Oh, REM. But then they just were like, okay, Michael Stipe's going to sing on, you know, on the live tune. And yeah. uh, so there's Michael Stipe with Ed Kowalczyk and, Gotta love that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we should do that locally. We should do that on a local level, like more. Absolutely. You know, Marty. Marty has these you know, the barn, the loo, the barn parties. You know, get close with that when these the, the the jams at the end of these nights and and the you know the last waltz nights and other other fun theme nights. Right. Do singing with so and so and blah blah, but. Yep. We should do some more mixing and mashing up. Absolutely. You know, you know, some like Laurel Canyon style stuff. Yeah. Let's pretend that let's pretend that we're all at that level and just own it. Yeah. Like, did you hear that Stu's on the reconstructed album? Yeah, that'd Whoa. be awesome. <laughs> yeah, my my tiny tiny claim to fame in the last ten years was I I uh I have a little spoken word sliver on Eric Ott's death record. Nice. And I was like, yes. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let's figure out how to get you on the next Earth Kid record. Let's do that. I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> I see. And I've seriously thought about, you know, Nick Faneff, because he's such a guitar um, sound nerd. Sure. And um, I'm, I'd, 
become I become really one. Earth Kids is really a lot about noise and sounds too, and just really lush, lush, lush. I should I should have him do something. That'd be really neat. I should ask him. You know, yeah. like him to add his bring his Apple MacBook rig and do something. Yeah, because that could be that's cool. Yeah, let's do more of this. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I'm all starting now. Co- collaborations are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So you guys are uh, you guys are kind of in the formative stages of the next Earth Kit recording. Yes. We, yes. I think we're going to stick with the number seven for le- releasing seven songs at a time. Like, why not? I don't know. No, yeah, because it's holy. Who knows? But we almost have the seven done, and we're going to share. We're going to share a few really soon. We have a few, you know, really done and mixed up nicely. Heck. Let's share them. We'll share them probably ASAP. I think I'm going to get, speaking of mixing and matching, cross-pollinating, I'm going to get Courtney Brock's, Courtney Brock's Dold, to do some singing, maybe some piano on a couple of the slower, soft tunes. I did some sentimental tunes on this record. Nice. I'm trying to, yeah, get her down here in the basement. Put some, you know, I don't know, it's good, because then, uh, yeah, then I want to make a record for her, so I... Yeah, I want to start cross pollinating now. Let's get Courtney. Let's get her back on the yeah on the wagon with a record. That would be so. Everyone always bugs me. Like, so you got a studio, and why aren't you doing Courtney's album? Like, I don't know. We have to do this. Yeah, that would be fantastic. Would reconstructed, be fantastic. and we're producing a few songs for reconstructed right now. So we'll probably do like fun stuff, like a reconstructed three song EP, and just release it. You don't make any money, so everything is just a gift for people. You know, so it's sure. Well, it helps you not take yourself too seriously. If you're always selling something, you know, it's odd. But if you're just like, ah, here's the music, it's free, everybody, here's the gift. And yeah. It's almost easier to do that. Like, here you go, here you go, just take it, take it, take it. Yep. I'm almost, I'm almost better at promoting myself if it's free. It's horrible. That makes me even a worse businessman. But if it's free, I don't have that guilt of, you know, well, not the, so complicated. The, the, <laughs> the crossroads of creation and commerce are always tricky. Uh, I mean, I do that all the time yes. with, I do that a lot with paintings. I, I, I have this thing where I leave paintings all the time. Uh, if I've had something sitting around for a year and I'm tired of looking at it, I'm just like, ah, you know what? I'm going to leave it somewhere in, in downtown South Berwick. And, you know, I'll take a picture of it, give it the hashtag leave, and then just put it on Instagram. And, uh, you know, usually, I mean, I just left one in, in Portsmouth yesterday and I, I was, I walked to work cause it was such a nice day. And then I walked home uh-huh. 10 hours later and it was gone. So I was like, all right, someone grabbed it. Cool. That's sweet. So you take it, you stick it somewhere. Yeah. Now, and did you promote it? Did you, did you hash, did you put it up online or do you just leave it there? I don't, I don't even tag where it's at. I just take a picture, put leave and then figure if someone's, uh, see coast. So people know that you do this. There's a certain amount of people. What's cool is I've now had four people who I don't know because they have my signature on it. They have my name on it. Find me through Instagram and we'll tag it and put the hashtag found. So it's been kind of cool. Um, that's very cool. One of the fun things about uh, social media, particularly Facebook, it'll do the um, you know the year, like one year ago today. And it's weird this week because a year ago this week was like the last normal week we had before lockdown with COVID. So I think some of us are going to have some, some posts that are like uh, embarrassing a year later. But I had a friend... <laughs> I had a friend from work who uh, he and his husband were, they went to Portugal and I gave him one of my pictures to leave in Portugal. And that popped up today was the, the, the photo that he took there. So I have a little, little uh, painting of animal from the Muppets that was left on, on a fountain in Portugal. Wow, that's very cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Hey, we have one of your paintings in uh, Leo's little Leo's bedroom. Nice of, uh, of a lion. It's like it's just a cool, sparse lion, yellows and oranges. Nice. Yeah, very good. Very cool. Hey, we should get we gotta get another piece of yours in our house. We have we have lots of coal. Blakesley, we gotta get another. Yeah, an SDC. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm in I'm in good company if I'm there with Cole and Dan. Right, our favorites. <laughs> but you do have one. You do have, I think, one so far in the home. Yeah, nice. in Leo's room. Yeah, we got to put you out in the public space. I know there's mm. a f- cool. few of mine at the Daniels household as well. Yes. Nice. Awesome. 
Yeah, that's great. I love the free painting thing. That's cool. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's also part of it's just just out of necessity because I have a you know I have a one bedroom apartment. I only got so much room. You know, I I make myself paint for at least an hour every day. So I'm just like, well, great. if no one's buying them. I don't want to look at them because also I get to a point where like I feel like the walls are closing in and I'm like I got to free up some space so I can keep painting. Do you do so maybe I don't follow you enough, right? Do you do uh, active like hey these are all for sale? I'm, I'm also terrible at self promotion, so like okay. if, if I <laughs> okay, fine. I usually put a you know post a picture of hey I did this today and if it's for sale I just put a price on it, but I don't. I, you know, I need to get better at that because I've had friends say, Hey, what do you have that's for sale? And I'm like, what are you looking for? I got like, you know, I honestly, if I were to think about it, I probably have between 150 and 200 paintings in my apartment right now. And it's, uh, like a little art, online art sale and we have them all just do it. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. I'm hoping that cause 3S is doing a, 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 what they're calling a yard sale, which they're trying to, you know, I almost just said the word yard and I didn't want to sound dumb to you. <laughs> and I thought I made that up. I thought I just made that up. I was like, I'm not going to say yard. That's, he's just going to think I'm an idiot. You just said yard. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> my mind right now. <laughs> I just, I just applied for that. So we'll see if they, uh, get me in, but I guess it's going to be at the end of April and the beginning of May. Um, and they're like, you know, it's got to be priced lower than your normal thing. And I'm like, my stuff's priced pretty low anyways, but that's fine. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, right. I'll, I'll hopefully put some stuff in there. But, uh, yeah, maybe. Can you do those in conjunction with the dock, the loading dock music series? Because we, we got booked for that. Yeah. It would just be cool to have that in conjunction, people filtering in the art. Yeah. Maybe maybe they don't. Maybe it's too. Maybe they're weird. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be cool. Yeah, I think so, too. Show. Yeah, with you, a show with you. <laughs> I'd be down. I'm always down. And you can play down. tambourine. Yeah, and you can play tambourine. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, that's about the uh, extent of my percussive skills, anyways. <laughs> uh, awesome. Well, awesome. I uh, yeah, I really enjoy the Earth Kit record. I'm looking forward to hearing more. And uh, yeah, that means a lot, man. That really means a lot. Very cool. Thank you for reaching out. Absolutely, and it's. It really... I'll do my. I, I was gonna save my my fanboy uh, thing till the very end, just so it wouldn't be a weird conversation. But it's funny because I I have a lot of friends who are guitar players on various levels, and you know I always I, a lot of times in social media I'll post like lists like favorite albums, favorite this, favorite that, favorite you know vocalist, whatever. But consistently, whenever uh, people ask me about guitar players, like what guitar players inspire you, like you always pop up as like one of my five favorite guitar players of all time. Like your guitar tone is just, has this really ethereal quality that just, man, it's, it's, it's something else. That's amazing. You know, I've, I've definitely fooled you, you know, <laughs> and I, and I'm willing to admit, I'm not a shredder. I'm not a whatever, but I appreciate that you see what I'm going for. I'm going for more of the, the tone, the, 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 creating like a symphony symphonic thing you Absolutely. know and not really a, i'm not a mover i don't know I, i'm just not good i'm not really a good, i will i will say it i've said it many times i'm not a good guitar so when i hear you say that i'm like wow you must you must get what i'm thinking that's just very cool uh, that means a lot well i mean you think about like i don't know you, you kind of and tonally you don't sound the same but like kind of how you approach it uh reminds me a lot of the edge where it's not like it's not so much how many notes he's playing, but like what he's doing with them and the atmosphere of of what, what he's doing with that. So yeah, that's a lot. Of, that's the best compliment ever because that's all I that's all I really care to do. That's what I strive for. And I have a couple. I have a couple of people tell me that, um, and I'm like that. That means that's it. That's all I. That's all I want. You know. And, and going on a funny note before we end this, uh, some years ago we had someone fill in on bass. Yep. Um, I won't say who, whatever. Front of the band because Andrew couldn't make it. Um, he learned the parts quickly. So he didn't know me well. And I uh, and um, he, he, we were doing a, uh, a sound check at Kara's, I think, in Dover. Yep. And he goes, he, he goes, 
uh, I can't hear. And I was next to him. He's like, can you turn the guitar down and the monitors? This guy, this guy, this guy over here is just making space noise. And ever <laughs> since then, like my nickname has been space noise in the, in the band. I, and I think it's hilarious. Nice. But it was at the moment at the time, I'm like, man, this guy's an ass. But now it's just funny to me. Sure. Like space noise. That's great. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm glad that you appreciate it. He did not, but hey. <laughs> hey, it's it, not all, not all art is for everyone. You know, it's, it's true. Because if that were true, Nickelback would be the most critically acclaimed band in the world. <laughs> Let's talk about them. They're my biggest influence. <laughs> awesome. Hey, I'm not a hater. I'm not a hater. I like to. You know, I like. I liked them when they were saying. I, I like. I like to just dabble and listen to everything. Why not? Sure. Not why gonna, not? <laughs> be a total hater. The three doors down. I might be a little hater on that one. Sure. Sure. <laughs> well, thanks. thanks thanks man uh, i appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and uh yeah keep making the music yeah keep making the art awesome we'll do yeah we're <laughs> gonna do a do a yard sale because we're gonna buy a piece all right <laughs> cool thanks jesse See you, man. all right yeah, bye. bye.